0: Welcome to Don't Say NFT, the show where we don't say NFT. I'm Donnie Clutterbuck and I'll be your host. Good morning, everybody. An elective group can sometimes be an echo chamber, but I think that the conversations that we have in these spaces are typically not that way. Um, It doesn't feel like a bunch of people agreeing with one another. It feels like a bunch of people trying to figure out what they think. Um, which I think is a humbling process that we all ought to engage in once in a while because I, <clears throat> there's anything I've learned over the 39 years I've had on this planet is that every year I'm embarrassed about who I was the year before. No matter how much I progress, I still am not where I will be ever. And I think taking time to like back these processes up a little bit and go, what are we actually shooting for here? What, what is the whole point of all of this? So... As usual, I wrote an article about what my thoughts are on this topic, and during the course of the article, I came up with new thoughts that I have on this topic, and uh, I'm willing to be picked apart by everybody and anybody who doesn't agree with me, and uh, because I really don't think I'm correct. I just think that I have stuff I think now. And a bit about the podcast, anybody who's not been on it so far, this is the last episode, actually. We've trimmed the number of topics, because I think the last two ended up being kind of like more or less unnecessary it was an anthropological view of where blockchain is going like what problems this might solve in the future which i'm not entirely i think we just answered it over the course of these 11 episodes so i don't i don't know if it's necessary to do that and the other one was on tokens and it was supposed to be sort of like a protocol token deep dive about why um fungible tokens are important or why people think they are anyway and again, I just don't think it fits the subject matter thus far, where we've been deep, diving deep into things like identity, community, reputation, um, blockchain, obviously, and memes. So like, What is a meme? Why is, a, what is language a meme? What isn't a meme? I guess. And artifacts, God, artifacts and provenance, those were like mind-bending topics. I think art is going to be in a very similar way because there is no part of this discussion that doesn't fit into the art world. Everything from how things are stored, displayed, transferred, created, purchased, um, like every single thing, how their communities form around them, how it itself can gain a reputation um, and how it's perceived. But what this can be about, or rather what the article was about that I wrote, is trying to define art is how we get to the definition of what is digital art, because art is a part of digital art. So if we are talking about what we qualify as art or what anyone qualifies as art, that'll allow us to define what digital art is even, and then dig further into the concept of how it is expressing itself after the dawn of blockchain, which essentially makes double spend go away. Meaning you can't copy art and sell it as if it's the original in a digital format. That is, if there is a blockchain ledger of those things. So the, the, The point of what I was trying to write was that I think art exists in the observer, and I think that there is a physical item that this attribute is attached to, and that's sort of undeniable. We all agree, like when we stand around a table, we touch a table, we know that's a table, right? We all agree that the table starts here and it ends there, and this is sort of like a consensus is formed. But within that, uh, there is a lot of disagreement about what art is and what qualifies art. And at first, when we think about art, maybe we think of it as a subcategory of artifact, where if something is made by a person for a purpose out of materials, um, that could be a, a category within which resides art, because art has to be like made, maybe. But then I started to think to myself, well, our mountain range is not art somehow? Can someone not look at a tree and find that to be however naturally occurring we want to define it? Can that not also be art? And to anybody who says that digital art's not art because you can't hold it, I'm sure people have been projecting things on walls and considering that art for decades or hundreds of years well, ever since the projector's been around or something like it, you know. So there are many mediums of art that don't really overlap in any way that we can define properly. So I've I've been equating it to things like hunger and love, the things we can't describe, but we feel and we associate two items or, you know, blanket those items into that concept. Uh, which is still pretty pretty vague, honestly. So anyway, let's get it rolling. Welcome to Don't Say NFT, the show where we sometimes don't say NFT for a few minutes into the show. This is episode 11. It's on art. My name is Donnie Clutterbuck. Thank you to CryptoSapiens for producing this and Out for the ongoing support. Let's get it moving. Does anyone have anything they want to say off the bat about what they think art is and what digital art is within that?
1: Yeah, I, I'd be happy to jump in and appreciate the space as always. Um, uh, I think I, I agree with you. I think art is uh, completely subjective. Um, it's, it's really in the eye of the person viewing it. Um, we were in a space last week, and uh, I forget who it was, but it might have been Creasy said, um, art, art should consist of uh, intention and, and interpretation. And I thought that was a really good good definition of, you know, some sort of, you know, you can't really put guidelines on it, but some sort of guideline around what could be considered art. But again, I think it's I think it's completely subjective. And I I think, um, you know, I, I really struggle with, you know, definitions within what is art. Um, you know, we hear the term fine art being thrown around. And uh, I really struggle with, you know, what is fine art? And what isn't fine art? And why is that? So I'm I'm really interested in kind of hearing what everyone else's opinions are, and uh, you know maybe we can dive a little bit further past you know what is art and what are what are these classifications of art, and is that really clear cut?
0: We can do that, and we can do almost anything else outside of that. I wanted to see where this conversation was going to be passionately drawn before guidelining it too much. But the the point of it was to discuss the problems in art that blockchain helps solve, and why we as a community of people who like art or produce art, tend to engage in it in the way that we do in this medium. Uh, Because there are plenty of other ways to go about it, but we've chosen this. So for what reasons did we do that? And for anybody out there listening to this who doesn't already consider digital art to be quote unquote real art, um, the point is to be able to transfer these viewpoints to a person who has not heard them before. Let's kick it off. Uh, Marshall, FU64, welcome to the stage. Everybody, this is my brother. He's a photographer. And bartender, and a generally speaking very smart person, if you ask me. And uh, Marshall, why is it? I know why you got into regular old art, kind of. I guess maybe I don't know why. I know you did, as a photographer, a large format photographer specifically. Um, what drew you into the digital space, and what about it do you think solves problems? And are there any problems that have surfaced that is it is created?
2: Hey everybody. Uh, well, I thought this was sports talk radio, so I am woefully unprepared for this conversation. That's the ball. Um, but I think to, I would try and kind of get this conversation rolling with you without diving into a 45 minute rant. Um, but you know, I think essentially what, what, draw, what drew me and a couple other people to this space, um, you know, a couple of years ago was, I'll be honest with you, it was like all of a sudden we saw, we saw some money and we were like, what's going on here? Like people are buying our JPEGs and that got our attention. And then, but I think what really happened after that, which was so kind of magical was that like once the space kind of had our attention and we started digging into it, we realized that basically kind of like this was the art ecosystem being recreated from the ground level. And with that, there was kind of like massive, um, massive opportunity and responsibility to kind of help, um, help contribute to how that was going to go down. And I think for me in in the, the, the digital space, um, the most important, um, the most important question that was being asked is what was the. Importance of ownership um, and the importance of provenance in a world where we were very rapidly moving towards a future where, you know, art needs to be uh, everywhere and available for everyone um, and not locked away in some room. And so how does that how does that look, you know, in an economic ecosystem of commodity? Um, You know, like how do we how do we deal with digital commodity? um and so that all became that conversation of ownership and how does that look and and provenance um and so you know those are kind of like I feel like those are kind of like the 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 messy details that happen behind the scene you know in the business of art but I think that to to kind of get the conversation rolling of what is art I mean that's it, that's that's always just it's it's subjective and in, experiential but i think that where it gets complicated is that what is or isn't art has really always been dictated by uh the economy of art in the sense that it's like you know if money weren't involved like would anybody really give a shit like we would just be experiencing you know art as uh the way we do I don't know, like the music you hear out in the open or or literature that you stumble across where you're not, your first concern isn't like the economy or the ownership. Um, It's just the experiential nature of what it is. Um, So I think that's always been kind of a big question in the art world. And I think something that I would kind of pose to get this, you know, as this conversation is, is moving is that from my end, my experience in the art world is I've gotten to kind of take a peek behind the curtain of like how the high end, fine art quote unquote art world works um you know as a working artist and person that's exhibited and blah 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 all that stuff um the reality situation is that like not to oversimplify it and not to say this is the case for all art but the reality situation is if you look at the way high-end fine art works it's it's the fucking stock market for rich people who like you know not shiny things and it's the the buying and selling and trading of people's artwork as commodity um, and manipulating that and, um, you know, through various methods um, and coveting those things and, and uh, you know, stuff like that. So it's it, it, there's a certain point where it's like we're, we're having two different discussions simultaneously where it's just like, you know, we're talking about, you know, what is art from the standpoint of, you know, artists and viewers and people that just experience it? And what is art from the standpoint of economics? You know,
0: as a person who's seen behind the the curtain, if you will, back to the inner workings, you know, how the sausage is made behind um, when actual money moves through art. And what I guess what that says about us. Do you see that any pieces of blockchain have solved issues within that world? Or have they exacerbated them or both?
2: The way I kind of explain the first kind of three years I had in this space with people is like, it was like watching the fine art market play out, um, it, at like a hundred X speed. Uh, it was like, uh, I don't want I don't, don't want to, I don't mean this in like a, uh, diminutive way, but it was like watching an ant farm, like, <laughs> like, you know, just like rapidly. It was like watching people simultaneously. I watched, collectors and and artists and everything in the space i watched them rapidly kind of evolve into being like well these are the people that are really just in it for the art these are the people that are just like realizing they can kind of like you do this as an investment these are the people that realize that they can manipulate things and so you it was i'll be honest with you it was like a version of a regular art market playing out in a digital space Mm -hmm. at light speed but the mo- the important thing though is that uh what was really cool about it was that number one there's a lot of people that were really into it for that were new to kind of collecting art which was rad there's a lot of people that are in it for like to try and do like interesting new things which was rad so i think it was net positive um but for as far as what it solved the biggest things for what the space what 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 what, what digital art um, in regards to blockchain application um, what what the problem that that can solve is that art needs to move out of these out of these walled institutions that historically have an incredibly messy and messy is a kind way to put it they have an incredibly awful history of being funded by traditionally uh, problematic problematic again is a is a kind way to put it funded by people with a lot of ties into you know the colonialization and the stealing of culture and art um, from other communities and then taking those those works putting them behind these walled institutions that traditionally are made more accessible to people of a certain social standing and so you know, art should be out and open and available for everyone to view. It shouldn't be gate kept behind a museum wall or an institution wall. It should be made open for all communities and all peoples to be able to experience, you know, on their terms, you know, without, you know, being put in these places. We, um, so digital art solves that. So, okay, but how do artists get paid? How do artists make money, and that's where the provenance comes in. It's like there has to be some degree of ownership to art in some regard, so that the people that are creating the art are able to keep creating the art. Um, they're making money from it. So, so for us, the biggest the biggest thing for the blockchain is that we all knew, kind of as photographers, it was just like our work, our work is just is is almost kind of escaping from our hands. It's leaving the museum walls and it's going out into the digital space because it needs to be out there. We just, at this point, we've gone from being like, oh, can I get like a a gallery show to being like, can I get someone to look at my work in the digital or book space? You know what I mean? It's like, we just want, you just want to get out there and get known. Um, So for us, it was always moving towards the fact that it was going out of our hands and it was going to be available online, but this gave us the ability to uh, have ownership to it um and kind of try and recreate that art world in a digital space.
0: Sick. So we think that maybe the democratisation provided by or you know the the spreading of accessibility and interaction provided by digital mm, art tech or whatever and blockchain is potentially leveling out that like I mean much in the same way as traditional financial markets, right? They move faster because there are no hours. It's not 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. It's whenever you open up your computer it removes a lot of the power that is inherent to the systems that used to guide uh, you know, the rails that everything used to be on. It's on different rails now that are not technically controlled by any one person. So if that's what I'm gleaning from what you're saying, that's uh, that's benefit number one, I'd say. Griffin. Oh, sorry. Marshall. I agree, yeah, I mean, I, I just- agree
3: with everything Marshall just said, more or less. But I, I do think there is a application that sort of underrepresented in terms of what digital art can do. And that's removing art from the markets entirely using blockchain. So right now people are trying to sell NFTs in crypto art, but something we can actually do is mint or inscribe in various ways such that it is permanent, it is online forever, but that you can send it to your own burn wallet or to a burn wallet. And then someone who has infinite cash wouldn't be able to buy it. So it, it would essentially make it so that like those who would normally be speculating on it in the crypto market or in this market can't. And that doesn't solve the money issue. Artists will always be struggling for money, except for the ones who are the superstars, the rock stars, whatever. But um, it, it does make it so that, in some sense, you can make a playing field so even the people who would normally be attempting to Ponzify and, and play value games and be joking around in that way can't. Um, you can put things outside of any walled garden. Um there's been a few examples of this already. Um burned punks, for example, but it's something that I'm not sure if anyone's gonna play with it more. I've played with it a little. I have a few early inscriptions that will never sell, but um it it does seem like a potential value add. Yeah, that's the interesting stuff, right? I mean it's like I will be honest with you, and I can't speak for you know,
2: I don't wanna generalize and say like I'm an artist, I don't give a shit about money, because there are artists that very much care about money. And obviously if I had infinite monies, um I, the, the last thing I would care about would be how I'm selling my work. Um, it would just be f- entirely focused on making my work. So it's like, yeah, the, I think that it's like, I think working in this space, it's like this double-edged sword of like, on one hand, I'm always kind of looking over my shoulder of how the speculative economic aspect of the whole thing is playing out, because that can be like a really gross, weird world um but from to griffin's point like that's the last thing i really want to care about like i'm not a stock trader like i understand how the economy of that of speculative assets works but it's not what i'm interested in it's like i'm interested in what applications the technology can actually bring to artwork so it's like for me the exciting thing to griffin's point is like well what can we do like what can artists do like you remove from the whole economic aspect of it for me it's always been like well can i build in interesting, like backdoor kind of applications to the artwork that I'm producing? Can I like, can I add in like different like elements that come into play in the digital world or on blockchain um, that allow me to do like really wild, fun and interesting things with how my art is experienced? Um, Just like a quick example is like, there's something like I've always kind of in my head, I was like, I wanted to uh, build like a book um, that basically like it's the viewer, the, the way it's viewed is changed by the time of day or parts of the book unlock as time passes. And that's like kind of a thing you can really only do in the digital space because like you have this like immediacy with your authorship and your viewers of how you can kind of manipulate the way that the, the, the information is relayed. No, I just
4: wanted to um, reflect on what we're saying so far. Um, And actually, my main my main point is that uh, what is art like? I mean, all of us are a piece of art. Like the fact that we are here and we are talking about art. um, You, Donny, what you are doing is a piece of art like I mean, you know, the basic concept of I can reach a level of something what I'm doing, which is very artful, which is very skillful, which is very pleasant to the eye, which is very unique uh, in the taste of a cook is something doing which is so unique and that we are saying, man, this is a piece of art. What I'm eating here right now is a piece of art. Um, So you know, uh, the definition of what is art is very (laughs) difficult. (laughs) but. Uh, anything can be art. In my opinion, you know, um, I can uh, stand on the side of the road uh, endlessly uh, and do nothing, think about God. Uh, maybe at some point uh, I have uh, like 100 people around me uh, observing me and wondering what I'm doing. Uh, and everybody's saying like, hey, this guy's crazy. But hey, wow. Or, or the other one is saying like, hey, he's a genius. Uh you know like i can stand in the middle of the road and start laughing uh just crazily and you know like <laughs> nobody understands why but maybe i have like 100 people starting to laugh with me you know so so <laughs> you know I, I mean if we go down this road like um what is art art can be anything and i think uh, just to uh, continue with with this art topic is like um there is art before um you know, before 1945, <laughs> there, there is this one <laughs> book um, where where they say the empire is rising, and uh, and and it's very beautiful to see that in the second half of this uh, 20th century, when um, you know uh, all the art markets start to evolve, um, and now we have this kind of art world we are talking about, right? Um, so the commodization of 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 art pieces and and the trading of art pieces i mean it goes back into the middle ages uh of course as we know with the mediges and stuff but um so there there are many different aspects to it like if you think about art as a um you know a medium of like speculation art as something which is very unique to me uh or or to my grandmother art which is uh, just just uh done for for everybody to share so there are many different uh, aspects to, to to art itself right um and i mean we are now here in this in this crypto art uh or or nft or in ordinal space we we you know like we are actually um participating in in a, in a kind of like um to make money with art maybe not all of us or to like sell art or to, uh, I mean, even there are many people, w- what I love to see is like just, just create for, for, for creating sake, right? I mean, just to inscribe something because I, I want to see it inscribed uh, because I, I love the fact that I have it on chain and, and, uh, and I don't have to sell it. I mean, <laughs> you know, so, so there are many different aspects to all of it. Um, I hope I could uh, spread some seeds.
0: <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Really great points. I'd like to go to zero. And then I have a very specific question after that, if there's, you know, if it's natural to do that. So fire away zero.
1: So as I was commenting on your post, Donnie, I think from a philosophical standpoint, anything is subjective, right? Art is subjective. If something is art for you, it's going to be art for you, but it not might not be for someone else. And that's how we can derive to the fact that everything can be art. It's just up to the eye of the beholder to define what art is for them.
5: It's really funny. Me and zero, like being in the same room, even for this, because I, I actually take the exact opposite stances here on this. It's not about the viewer. It's not about the consumer of the art. It's about the creator. And what I mean by that is any expression that you are putting emotion into. So like, this could be painting, uh, music, code. Even I'm, I'm a firm believer that if you care about what you're coding, and it has like emotional or sentimental or any other type of you know deep rooted part of that human you know experience involved in while you're making it, it can be it can be art. Because art isn't bound by if other people appreciate it as such. It's not bound by that. I realize this is an opinion, by the way, and it's an opinion that runs very contrary to what Zero just said because she's she exposed the idea that it's about the the viewer's experience. And it can be. Viewers could actually find art in something that wasn't created as art. I mean, simple geometric patterns created in the streets by just simple convenience of the machines used to place bricks. That That is a form of art created from the viewer's side. But for me... I really think it's when you can put a sense of yourself, a sense of that human experience into whatever expression you're creating. And, uh, you know, that's kind of cool to me is somebody who doesn't have the uh, the best emotional attachments to being a human. So
0: that's a really great point. I, I guess when I say that or when I when I express the viewpoint that I have that art is internal to the viewer meaning it can't exist without viewership i don't mean that anyone who is viewing something gets to tell someone else that it's not art that they're viewing or that it is for that matter um in in which case i think that the intentional creation of art i mean you can that can be a part of the criteria that people use when they make art but at the same time i think that there can like if you're walking down the street and you drop a bunch of eggs on the ground by accident and it turns out looking cool and you capture that um with i don't know some other medium like a, like i guess then you're taking a picture and there is intent okay maybe you're onto something i'm happy to change my viewpoint at all points in time
5: well i would argue you're capturing, capturing is the, a very part very cool part of the human experience like we've all dropped stuff but who actually stopped to take the time to go man i can't believe i dropped that glass and it shattered completely right down the middle you know what i mean like there's there's intentionality there there's um but more importantly there's a capturing of that weird oddity of your human experience kind of reminds me of um
6: kintsugi which is like basically the art of breaking something and then um fixing it with like gold or something like the japanese do this and it's it's really sick they do it with pottery right they'll break something and then the the point is uh to, to reinforce it with gold to make it more strong um, than it was previously. So I think, I think the Japanese are onto that shit.
0: The question I wanted to ask upon um, the next topic, and it's not like we can't go back to this or continue talking about it. Um, I really wanted to ask specifically Rasang if it also, if I'm saying that right, I know I butchered it last time. Um, if your feet were in the conventional art world first, which I presume they were, what made you want to jump over to what I think was first Ethereum and then onto Bitcoin? Uh, what was your journey like from quote unquote reality to both of those digital mediums and what has your experience been seeing those uh, benefits and drawbacks?
7: Mm-hmm. Um so I think that for me uh, physical art is my medium. Um I would say that I'm I'm a mixed media artist but you know, I started off just wanting to make art because I enjoyed the process, and you know, there I experimented with like oils, acrylics, um, a little bit of watercolor, and ultimately I chose like Copic markers because it was easy to move around and it was not messy um, to create sort of really detailed like architect architectural drawings. Actually, even before that. I start with sharpies again because it's less messy, um, and other mediums just take much longer. And um, from a color perspective, you know, to create a painting, it's it's you know mixing the right colors, and that takes a uh, people prep months to to get a full painting done. And and that's something that, from a time perspective, just wasn't really um, in my best interest. I think that digital art, I, I've definitely I've definitely had my biases um, over time. I've had a phase where I think that digital art is not art. I've had a phase where I think AI art is not art. And I'm just, I'd have a very, you know, narrow mindset on, you know, the definition of art being and it has to be physically done. It has to has, it has to have um, it, it needs to show detail. You know, abstract art is not art. And the funny thing is that currently I'm more of an abstract artist than anything. And so I think that over time, your my definition of art definitely widened so much that I think that that's also how my path has sort of grown as an artist where, you know, now I'm working on a piece that's fully digital. And so that's something that um, just slowly with time, I can see myself kind of growing into. But at the same time, I'm also studying a lot on, you know, um, resin art and that's something that I think you know my next collection maybe next year will be and that's you know I I I think that it just comes down to what you enjoy doing physically um and if you know you know not everyone needs to be a glitch artist and I think that the space has enough glitch artists um and you know I I don't feel that because that's the meta I need to be drawing pepes or um or 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 doing glitch And I, there is a point in time where I think, wow, everyone else is doing it. Should I also try? But once I started Googling it, I was like, no, this is not for me. And I think that that's, you've got to, you got to not push yourself to do something that everyone is doing because at the end of the day, if you're not doing things genuinely and it comes out, it, it becomes your, you know, you're faking identity and it, it all, that always shows. And I think that part of the reason why I feel that I resonate a lot with my collectors is just how honest I am about my process and people can see what I do and it's so simple that yes you can do it too why not right and it's um you know it's it's the simple beauty of just um you know my ordinals collection chromatic ordinals it's it's simple abstract art. It has nothing, anyone can do it, you know, and I've had people reach out to me It's like, oh, where do you get your supplies? Like, I'd love to try it with my class at, um, in like a kindergarten school, um, with kids. And I'm like, you know, go ahead. Like this is, it's awesome. It's so, um, it's such a great experience and I highly recommend it to anyone. And I think that that's, you know, it, it's the simple beauty of art that I experienced that I wanted to pass it on through, you know, physical and like digital and, for me ordinals is immutable and on chain and it's more permanent than ethereum and so when i found out about sats i felt that it was a very special canvas to be able to put art on and so that's how you know i moved from ethereum to ordinals but i'm still i'm still i still have my dro- um specific drops on ethereum just that um chromatica ordinals was a project that i did that was quite significant in my Quote unquote, career, I'd say. you brought up something that I
0: feel quite passionately about, and it's maintaining the balance between listening to and studying what other people do and then um, emulating or trying not to emulate them. And I think like if um if if Henry Ford made the Model T car and then no one else ever built upon that platform, we wouldn't have cars that are awesome today because emulation is like a full study of what something has already done so that you don't have to accidentally wind up at that same conclusion after taking like 25 years to do it, right? So I, striking the balance between, should I be pursuing this thing that seems a little bit like like I'm just doing it because everyone else is doing it? Or should I go off in a different direction because I feel like I fully understand that?
7: Yeah, and I think that, you know, sometimes the path that you choose is probably harder because for me, choosing to deliver physical one-of-ones around the world is definitely something that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a daily, it's a daily burden, (laughs) not burden, but it's something that you need to to fulfill because still today, chromatic ordinals is not done. You know, there are people that still haven't claimed their physicals there that I am, you know, I'm responsible for down the road. And that's something that, you know, if you are, uh, if you're just fully a digital artist and you have no physical element, once your mint is done, it's done, right? You don't have to, you don't have any more obligations, but, you know, I still feel that my job is not done, right? And I'm working on other things, but at the same time, you always have to come back to your responsibility. And, you know, like I mentioned, like resin art, that is going to be really messy in my part. And if I want to make, you know, a bigger collection, the amount of space that I need to cure my, you know, pieces, which will take weeks um, for different layers depending on the complexity, that's something that, again, I'm bringing it upon myself, right, <laughs> to create, to I could easily you know, just go down the glitch part. But, um, you know, it is what it is. I think that it's it's what you enjoy. And if I don't do something that is genuine to myself, then why am I an artist, right?
0: To explore that further, one of the main draws to me regarding digital art in, in the early phases of me and trying to understand what it was, which was not really that long ago, it was a few years ago, um I really liked that it solved the problem of having to move art physically, and it solved the degradation by light, sound, uh, air, whatever, biodegrading, you know, all that stuff kind of goes away. And uh, you can display it in any circumstances. You can put it on the side of a building. You can display it in a little teeny tiny picture frame that oscillates pictures uh, throughout the day, like like everybody's mom has, you know, of a few of people are like, oh my gosh, you can put pictures from a digital camera into a frame and boom, everybody got one for Christmas in 2009. But you can do that with it and you can put it in a frame in a bright gallery and turn the brightness up, or you can put it in a frame in a dim gallery and turn the brightness down. And like all of the conditions that need to be met to display something in a way that you'd want to display it are so much more easily tuned. You can make it sepia tone or black and white or, you know, whatever. You can like infinitely modify this thing without ever changing the original and what I think is really cool that a lot of people are doing with, with more intent than I've seen in the past anyway is throwing a physical piece out there with the digital piece, like you are saying. Again, if I'm saying that wrong, please do tell me. Um, I think that this is a really fun way for us to bridge the gap between what is quote-unquote real and what's not in terms of the art world. So if you can get people to buy a digital piece – and then give them a piece that is a solid, like holdable item that they can relate to. It doesn't matter what happens in a thousand years to that piece, whether it biodegrades or not, because the other piece will be what was around, and it was sort of the point to begin with, right?
7: Yeah, and I think that that's what made, for me, chromatica ordinals couldn't have dropped on ETH because ETH is not, um, you know, immutable. You know, the artist can just re-upload something, and that's something I find it's not truly you know on chain and you can you can you can pay a large amount of some a large sum to make it on chain but um, you know ordinals for me was the right canvas at the time and um that's something that you know it, it, the house like true ownership is also another debate that a lot of people ask um with regards to physicals um if you own the ordinal and you own the physical who and you split it up who really is the real physical th- who really is the owner of the piece. Now, I think that also depends on how the artist sort of drives that conversation down the road. If the physicals will be involved in something or the d- digital is used for something, for, for different types of verification or, or participation in you know, continuous art, artistic explorations. Um, but I do think that I, I, you're right, and I've seen a lot more physical... Um, i i'm I'm obviously not the first one but I think that in ordinals I perhaps am but um I think that a lot of people there are a lot of people doing physicals along with their digitals but I think that if if your piece is not um authentic authentically um like from original perspective created physically I think that printing it out digitally is a little bit of a it's 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 secondary right but for for my for my my art collection the physical is the primary because without of which the ordinal would not exist but if that's gone if like for example one piece got lost because um the owners didn't pick it up for two months at the mail center and they got it got bounced back and it just completely got lost and that's something i feel sad about because that piece is gone there only the ordinal exists to to us at least that's where we know um and i think that but when it's digital, when people say that, hey, you can just print it, yes, you can just print it, actually. And there's no... Sure, the artist might sign, and it's a signed copy, but it's still authentically, it's still digital for a native, as opposed to physically native. And that's something that I feel that it's not exactly appropriate for all artists to do physicals, because like, you know, for example, if you're a glitch artist, and you print out a glitch piece, like you're what are you doing, right? Like your piece should be on a digital frame because unless you want to print different frames and put it together, you know, and have people use their camera to look at it from an AR perspective, but it's still to me, not your native um, platform.
3: I'm going to uh, add in here just because I super relate to having stuff take up space and drawing times. I'm an oil painter um, by passion. And it's like, you can, I mean, stuff will take months to dry and it's like, it will still be drying. So you only put the resin on like two days before you sell it because it's still drying. It's still drying even underneath the resin, just like elements of it are. Um, That's actually one of the reasons I was super interested in digital art. I mean, I've been doing digital art for a long time, but specifically like NFTs and ordinals as discrete ways of distributing pieces of work. Because um, they don't take up space, they take up only data. Um, but I, I think uh, Donnie, you said something that I sort of disagree with. In that, um, you can display digital work anywhere, but the idea of having it displayed on like a tiny screen isn't really doing it justice for me. Like I think if something is, if, if a piece of art is interesting or if it's to be important, it it shouldn't just be an aesthetic background. Which I mean, it can be. There's Lots of work that I have that I use only as an aesthetic background, but um, I think it is important to find ways to display the work meaningfully. Um, I was at ETH Denver uh, this year, and there were OLED screens rather than, or sorry, LED screens rather than OLED screens. Obviously, they're very expensive, but the the quality of display is a lot higher. You get a, a far um, better range of of lights and darks. So if you're if you're looking to display work, I would very much invest in LED screens, Um, you can, they're a little bit harder to set up, they're definitely worthwhile. And I think galleries for digital work will probably need to have these kind of displays. Um, And then another thing in terms of like, uh, this is the last thing, I'm sorry, I'll I'll finish up quickly. But um, regarding like distributing physical and digital works, I've actually seen some photographers doing things really well. Because if you are a film photographer, you have an original piece of film, you sell that as an NFT, then you can, get a, a print that you sign for the first buyer if they sell the nft you still have the original film so you can send a print to the second buyer um it, it doesn't work as well for painters or for other people but i, I do think that's an interesting distribution method okay peace uh Griff, i've known Griff for a long
6: time he's a, he's a great artist um when it comes to like how we as digital artists like showcase our work i think um the tech is just a little bit lack lesser like we're, we're racing towards a future of like vr integration where it's like you know the possibilities are endless we're, we're i think we're around the corner from that tech but um in regards to how it's how it's shown there's a couple galleries in the world right now that are pretty much doing exactly how i pictured my art to be um showcased uh because I, I make animations right and so one of my one of my biggest quarrels has been how do i showcase these pieces properly like i want them to be on the side of buildings i want them to be you know what i mean and um one one place that i've I've come across w1 curates i don't know if you guys have heard about this gallery but this gallery is state of the art it is like they have like probably a, a hundred screens on the outside of this place and then they probably on the inside it's all led walls so it's we're not we're, we're not using uh tvs to display art now we're using entire led panels like walls integrated into uh this gallery that just makes everything seamless and look cool as fuck yo can you and, do um, that a
3: face because that's exactly how it needs to be done
6: yeah, yeah feel free, free to put that in a
3: jumbo if you want as long as it's not
6: a for training. sure uh for sure yeah it's called w1 curates you guys can go look it up um i'm, I'm in contact with them i'm trying to set up a show with a bunch of artists so if you are an artist who makes digital art animation or whatever just hit me up and uh, maybe there's a spot for you who knows
0: killer i wanted to say really quickly before we go to zero then burst um, when I said that you can show it on a tiny screen, I don't mean to say that that's what everyone ought to do, but it's it's fun to play with the idea of constriction and insp- expansion, which is something we've never been able to really do before digital art came around. So it was more of like universalizing the concept of like how many different ways we can push this, whether preferable or not. They're all possible. Uh, Zero, time. then burst, please.
5: So Zero actually raised her hand for me. I'm on computer, so I can't raise hands. I apologize about that. Um, with that said, another aspect of digital art over traditional art. So I'm not a traditional artist. I don't paint, I don't make music. I don't have these skills. Um, and sadly, every attempt to learn them has proven that I seem to be inept in that field, but there is digital art that I can create because I happen to live in the digital. You know, I spend every day, hours upon hours a day at my computer doing such. The timelessness of it. So the majority of artists won't be appreciated in their timeline. Like it's just reality. If you look back through history and because you've got to find somebody else that appreciates your, your human experience specifically that you're putting into your pieces. And that person either may just not find it while you're still around, or maybe may not even exist yet so the ability to create like specifically i'm going to talk about inscriptions like the ability to put something there and feel pretty confident that that's going to outlive me is really really cool to me uh and then i'm going to get out of your guys hair i i love you all you guys are great keep putting awesome stuff
0: i don't have any here but thank you for the consideration and thanks for popping in man i know this is kind of a rare event so appreciate your uh, take on this i think a lot of what you're doing is art regardless of whether or not people categorize it as like a traditional medium of, of such code is art in its own way. Um, thanks, Cypher. Burst, what's up?
4: You know, like for me, it's a kind of like a psychic metabolism. I called it this way um, back in the pandemic when, yeah, I, I fell down the rabbit hole of crypto, right? And and started to, to mint and stuff. So I, I started the whole thing in 2019 um and for me the journey was like uh, totally crazy and incredible and it opened up so many doors and so many opportunities and possibilities to to work as an artist and it made totally sense later down the road to to combine all the aspects which i was al- already pr- uh, prior to to crypto doing um you know as a musician as a visual artist doing animations Painting and stuff, and then combining all of them. So, like for me, I'm I'm definitely in the right space here because, <laughs> um, you know, for me it's all about bridging the gap between uh, physical and digital. So I, I love to I love to work with AR, and just recently, like for me, the workflow got got very interesting when, um, you know, like I was I was, uh, for example, like using an AI. I was feeding the AI with my own artworks. Getting the derivatives, then print those derivatives on like a pigment print, uh, you know, like a high res pigment print, uh, working with a lab uh, to print them. Taking that, starting to paint again on, on, the, on the print itself, then taking a, digitalizing the, uh, those prints again, uh, and then starting to manipulate it in Photoshop later after the manipulation animating it adding sound design to it you know like (laughs) so that's a full circle that's like a full circle which is uh, for me like totally um uh incredible because it's a totally new working process as an artist you know like it's not just like i'm I'm painting, or I'm doing this or that. It's all of it at once, you know. Like I, I, I try to experiment with, with new opportunities and with new kind of ways to express myself, and, um, and using all the digital tools there are is is just incredible. But also in in reference to to, to history, right? To art history, I'm I'm very interested in trying to build bridges also between what was 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 before. And what what comes uh, afterwards? And you know, if if um, if it's beautiful to to build a bridge um, for for uh, someone who is going to an exhibition and, and saying, look, like here is a piece of art, like I, I painted it, but I, it was just a reference point for me. It was the first frame I used for animating it or for uh, for the digital piece, and then. Hey, you can grab uh, your phone and, and just hold it on the piece, and you can interact and, and play with the artwork itself. And so it's just like it's a holistic experience. Uh, you can you can plug in your uh, to your earplugs, uh, th- and you can hear the sound. So for me, it's like I'm very interested in 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 that in art to make it an experience for the observer, to make it an experience for for the person who is who is uh, interacting with the artwork. It's for me, it's like a, a sort of psychic metabolism. So so it's like I put my soul into it, into the art piece. And then in the end, if it can also, whatever happened there, can change um, or do something with the observer. Um, It's amazing. But even if not, even if it's just like pleasant to the eye, (laughs) I'm happy with it, you know. So, um, yeah, these are just my points, you know.
0: I think digital art or digital mediums, digital facilitation of all kinds, including AI, and I guess this is probably a controversial thing, but this is, you know, my take on all of this is that we are exploring new ways of doing things that we've done before. New angles of viewing things and new ways of creating things. Uh, It's like finding a new kind of paper or a new kind of brush or a new kind of whatever. And much in the same way that when the synthesizer or Microsoft Excel were created, the orchestra and the accountant did not disappear they got stronger and they had more tools to play with. And in some ways that makes more people less needed over the course of human civilization as we begin to replace people with robot processes or whatever, it may just end up that we all have the free time to engage in art and expression in a way that our culture or species has never seen before. So to say that you know, in a thousand years from now, if we continue to approach and or be at the singularity will everyone be an artist and a philosopher? Maybe. And maybe that will all be coexistent with some sort of data-driven digital binary or otherwise computing system that again I don't think is scary. I think it's difficult to take our egos out of this in a lot of ways and understand that like it's a natural part of the process and it is not, you know, I mean I'm not God. I don't have never met God. I don't know if there is a God, but if there is a God out there that was like, "No, no, don't do that, you guys." Well, then they shouldn't have put it here for us to mess around with, because he knows we're gonna, you know what I mean, or she knows we're gonna. Like, if if there is a, if there is a creator of some sort who's watching this all go down, uh, I don't think we're failing the test. I think this is a really wonderful exploration of the things we have to add to our surroundings and to each other's experiences and our own, um, in a way that we've never seen the speed or depth of before in in anything. Steve, welcome up. How you doing? I, I'd like
8: to thank Ordinals. For making me an artist, right? So before February, there was no way in hell I would have called myself an artist. And even to, to this day, if it wasn't for the reforms, uh, which is shout out to Donnie's reinscription collection project, would you call it that? Something like that? I don't want to butcher it. I have trouble
0: with the word project because I think I have negative connotations to what project means from my Solana and Ethereum days. Fair, Uh, fair. You know, like the word project doesn't quite get it. But it is, I mean, just in the same way that there was an art project in my kindergarten class that I, you know, drew a turkey by putting my hand on a piece of paper Mm. and then outlined it. If that's an art project, then so is this. This just happens to be developed way later in life and stuck currently in the mempool. So, uh, you know, those are two funny things about it
8: which is funny because i wanted to bring up the rats thing like i think it was after the rats um which was your first reform piece that i was like damn yo i need to start telling people i'm an artist i'm not a one-trick pony guy anymore i'm not just doing you know the same thing with different colors you know uh, again and again so you know I, i say all that to say this like if it wasn't for ordinals and I, and I, I love, I, I guess Reson was a Reson who brought, brought up the physicals as well. I mean, physicals, digital. I could never call myself, a, you know, any type of a physical artist or oil artist, but digital artist, check. I'll throw that shit on my resume. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah, I mean, I, I had when I saw this, when I saw the art topic episode eleven, I had to come up with that. I'm like, damn, I, I got to tell people. Man, if it wasn't for Ordinals, and we wouldn't really be here, right? If it wasn't for Ordinals, we wouldn't even be having this episode or any of your um, "Don't say I'm not going to say it" um, shows. That Has nobody it, said NFT yet. Shit, I don't want to be the first one.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know if you were. I came in late,
8: so I don't even know.
0: I if think, anyone? Yeah, came well, in. You, you might have been, or I might have been, because of you. Whoever, whatever. I'm happy. To oh, go this game. you not, did say it. It's not a competition, Steve. I think Damn. that what you just witnessed in yourself is a developing of a style rather than a line of items. When you made something for, to reinscribe onto that rat, you explored something that you kind of knew how to do but applied it in, in a way that you had not yet before. And I don't know if that's not art. What is, I suppose, it's exploration and expression. And you can be an artist to two people and not an artist to another. And, uh, you know, you can call yourself whatever the hell you want. Don't let uh, 100% you
8: yeah and I just want listen I want to give a shout out to all the one sh- the uh, the uh, one man shops right is it the one man shops you know the same dev same artist same everything because um, that's that's who I am essentially right I am my own dev I am my own artist I am whatever it is at the end of the day and I, I know Sai has left um, but shout out to Sai because without him I wouldn't have become a dev right the term dev gets thrown around so loosely I'm not even a dev I just ended up ins- downloading my and inscribing some stuff, so you can call me whatever you want. Artists as well, that category. If it wasn't for making you know, my, my cubes, like, hey, <laughs> I, I could, wouldn't be able to call myself an artist as well, so shout out to all the one-man shops out there. Um, I, it's tough, it's, uh, you know, and, and I know how, how it is, so thank you. I'm gonna get out of here, <laughs> gotta get back to work. Love you guys, love you, Donnie. Thanks,
0: Dave, appreciate you. You know, if I build a house and you try to tell me I'm not a carpenter, I'm not listening. Barbara, welcome up. How do you do? Hey,
9: I'm doing okay. Uh, Good to be here. I want to say a big shout out to Steve, who's literally everything. I'm so happy for him. Uh, I really wish I can say thank you to originals for making me an artist. But I would say the very first time I tried to uh, to explore art as a form of expression was the first time i got depressed and i usually share this story because i i think that it helps me explain better what art is right i love art i'm a lover of i've loved art from um childhood and i think that i developed that love for 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 art because of my mother my mother had a friend who who is an artist, and then um, uh, she got this friend to make this beautiful painting, and then we hung it on our wall. It was beautiful. Like every time that I got sad, I would just look at the art, and I just keep interpreting. I love inter- I love looking at art and making interpretations. The interpretations make it really beautiful. So every time I got sad, I was just like start looking at the picture. For every time I look at it. I get a different interpretation There's never the same interpretation like I'm looking like, well, I think this pains kind of My story. When I got depressed um four or five years, four years ago, I didn't know what was happening to me. It was the first time, right? And I, I found myself experiencing things I had never experienced. I'm usually like a very cheerful person. People who come around me love my energy. Like the like, so first thing is, oh my goodness, I love your energy. And all of a sudden, that energy went away, right? And I became an entirely different person. Very dark. Because I couldn't understand what was happening to me. And I couldn't talk about what was happening with me. So when I watched. uh some white sheets. I got some poster colors and then I got some brushes and then I just started painting. Like, I just, like, I just started, I can't express how light I felt. Like, I felt a lot lighter because I was, all of the anger, all of the sadness, everything was just right on that white, on that white sheet. It was a very dark painting. And then I wrote the date And then I decided that, oh, since this made me feel slightly better, I would just keep doing it.
0: Barbara, what I think is really important about what you brought up is that words require um, formulation of speech and sentences is just as subject to misinterpretation as art is. And when you form words like into a sentence about how you feel, your brain engages different pieces than if you're just letting something out. It's the difference between putting something on a table and dropping something on the floor. Sometimes the best way to express something that you're having trouble uh, making words out of is to just drop it all somewhere and just to like spew it out on a canvas like that. And you also brought up something about how provenance, well, yeah, you didn't say this, but This is what I gathered from it. Provenance doesn't change over time, or it shouldn't anyway, let's say. Like if the person who made it in the context they made it about the subject they potentially made it, and then every hand change it's had since then ought maybe to be recorded permanently in a way that's not subjective. But the way people view things every time they look at it is subjective. And maybe this goes back to like lighting, environment, um, size of picture, quality of picture, all that stuff. But also in the same way that we eat food, like if you, um, I don't know, if you have a glass of red wine with your cereal in the morning, very different experience than a glass of red wine with a steak, right? It's the same glass of red wine, but it's viewed completely differently because of its implied context. And that's something that we don't have control over as people who view and produce art. This One of the most exciting things about it, I think, is that you have no idea how other people are seeing it. So it's like, we can speak the same language and we can try to have the same conversation. And even that there's a lot of variability because of where everyone's coming from, not just that day, but for their entire history, everybody can't forget everything that's ever happened to them and ever been done to them. So they bring that with them and everything they hear and see goes through all of that information. Um, art is a fun game in a way that language is less of a fun game to me anyway. And for the sake of this conversation, because you get to try to interpret something that maybe even allows you to learn something about yourself in the process by trying to digest the art around you. This has been another episode of Don't Say NFT, the show where we usually don't say NFT. Thanks again to Crypto Sapiens, Bankless Dow. Have a great day, everybody.